0: Hi, I'm Lynn Galadner, and you're listening to the Make Meaning Podcast. I'm a former journalist and the author of nine books, a writing coach, and a marketing expert. In this show, I interview authors and people in publishing about how they find inspiration, how they build their brands and choose their publishing paths, and most of all, how they find meaning in the mundane. If you want to learn more about how to get your writing career off the ground, visit my website limgalodner.com and check out the classes programs and retreats that I offer and if you like what you hear please give us a five-star review at apple podcasts or on any podcast platform where you find the make meaning podcast I hope these stories give you the courage and confidence to make your writing dreams come true thanks for listening Blake Kimsey is one of the kindest, most easygoing, creative, and encouraging people I know. As founder and director of writingworkshops.com, he shepherds writing instructors and aspiring writers from around the world through a myriad of courses, webinars, and retreats. And I am grateful to be one of his regular instructors, but Blake is so much more than just an eager entrepreneur. A graduate of the MFA program at UC Irvine and a board member for the Elizabeth George Foundation, Blake is a Dallas-based author of fiction and a screenwriter, as well as being a full-time dad. His fiction has been broadcast on NPR, performed on stage in Los Angeles, and published by Tin House, McSweeney's, Vice, Long Form, Short Fiction, Smoke Long Quarterly, The list goes on and on, and his work has been selected by Pulitzer Prize winner Robert Olin Butler for inclusion in the best small fictions. Blake's collection of short tales, Families Among Us, was published by Black Lawrence Press. He also co-wrote with Kyle Miner, a World War II movie about the wartime actions of Polish underground hero Jan Karski. It is set for production in 2023. I love working with Blake on a variety of classes that I teach and retreats that I lead through writingworkshops.com, and I admire his entrepreneurial, generous spirit that has led to astronomical global growth for what began as four writing classes in Dallas, Texas only a few years ago. Today on the Make Meaning Podcast, Blake and I explore his writing journey, his entrepreneurial journey, and just exactly how he has built such a fulfilling and motivating creative life.
1: Lynn, thank you for having me.
0: It's such a delight. I feel like you're on speed dial on my phone over the past few years, which I love. And you're amazing to work with through writingworkshops.com. But I'm going to start today by talking to Blake, the author. And we will get to writingworkshops.com because I think that's important and an important part of your journey. But I really want to focus on you as a writer, if you don't mind. So tell
1: me, what is your earliest memory of writing? Oh my gosh, I just found it the other day. We moved during the like after the pandemic, we moved. And um, I remember, you know, growing up, I've, like in my house, 14 illustrated was literature so we didn't read really uh-huh. books we were always kind of I didn't even know the hardy boys existed really i mean I, we were just outside wow. on the plains of texas like running around in the uh, forest and making our own adventures but uh-huh. i remember i got in somehow i don't know how this happened but i had a facility with uh with english and reading and stuff and so uh-huh. In my class, we we had K through twelfth in the same building, uh-huh. and there were like thirty five people in my class, so they had to put somebody in gifted and talented. So <laughs> in sixth grade, like <laughs> they just pointed to like I don't know six of us and fifth of the you know or how I can't do math, but anyway, I had to <laughs> I had to write this story, and I, I really loved. I guess I just seen King Arthur or something, and so I wrote like a bad rip off of that. And I had a thesaurus nearby because I was really into <laughs> unique words because I used to run around annoying my older brother with made up words like thurumba, which I don't even know <laughs> what that is.
0: It's so a great I word. Really- I think you should have a new definition for it.
1: <laughs> yeah, I should. <laughs> yeah. So I just wrote this the source heavy story like King Arthur ripoff called The Wince of Purell. And I don't even know what so I found it the other day and showed it to my kids who are interested in reading and writing. And so uh-huh. from then I just thought that it was kind of cool to come up with stories and put them on the page. And so I didn't ever really have any guidance. And so I just kind of through reading, figured out how to start writing stories after, I guess, sixth grade. So
0: Wow, that's amazing. And now, I mean, you have your hands full. You have three kids, family life, and of course, you're running this wildly successful entrepreneurial endeavor in writingworkshops.com. So tell me what you're working on in your writing career. I'd love to hear that whole journey and what you're working on now.
1: Okay, yeah. So, you know, I did not know Anything about MFAs? Uh I started writing after my day job at the engineering firm, and then I, in the in the in the mid aughts I found some community college classes. Uh Introduction to screenwriting I probably took in 2005 at the local community college, Uh and then I found Introduction to Fiction uh, in 2007, and I ended up taking the same class three semesters in a row. And I didn't know what my writing career was. I didn't know how you got your book on the shelf at Barnes and Noble, but I did know that I loved leaving the engineering firm and reanimating at night Uh at this community college class where we had to read and we had to write stories. And that was kind of the terror of my first deadline where, oh, I have to turn in, you know, (laughs) a shitty first draft, you know? Right. Yeah. And uh, from there, I've just kind of always been obsessed with like the next thing in terms of, you know, write write a short story, write another one, always have, you know, cause I remember the instructor, Chris Carpenter, my first uh, mentor is like, you know, I can tell you guys are within your first 20 stories. And that uh-huh. was kind of, he didn't mean it. He meant it as like a get get to story 21, get to story yeah. 22, develop that muscle. You know, okay. he's like, you know, you guys are just in your first 20 stories. Uh-huh. And I thought, wow, you know, for his class, which I took three semesters in a row, I, I got to nine stories just because of his assignment. So sure, sure, that was kind of that mythical number of 21. And then I discovered George Saunders as a lot of people who were, who really kind of came out of their shell in the mid aughts. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, that's so different. And I thought, you know what? I'll just be like George Saunders, which is a lofty goal. I know, <laughs> but I'll just write short stories. And I never I never thought I'd write a novel. I never uh-huh. thought I had the facility or the imagination or the attention span
0: to uh-huh. write a novel. Uh-huh.
1: And then all of a sudden, one day, my my story started kind of outgrowing the form. Hmm. I found myself out of graduate school back in Texas, working at the engineering firm. Uh, this was back in 2014. And I was like, I need to write a novel. That's kind of the next thing. Sure. So it took me about three years to write a novel, and I got an agent, uh-huh. and we sent it out in 2017. Uh-huh. And uh, I thought I was on the launch pad. Uh-huh. I had like a translation agency, I had an international agent, I had a Hollywood agent, and he's like, my agent was like, we've got a great team assembled. Uh huh. Oh my gosh, this is going to happen. I'm going to get to retire at you know <laughs> whatever age I was. Anyway, so we sent it out and nothing happened. No, oh. did not sell. Yeah. And I, you know, I kind of licked my wounds at that time, because I told a handful of people. Now I hadn't put it on social media that I was going out on "quote unquote" submission, yeah. but I, it what was a very private failure felt very public. Even though sure. I told a yeah. few, a handful of people, I was like, oh my gosh, you know. And so I licked my wounds for a little bit, wrote another novel. Uh-huh. My agent sent that one out, uh-huh. and it didn't sell. Ah. So, so it's one of those things where it's like, you know what, I was so thankful for that first time, actually, that the novel didn't sell because I kind of knew that that was a possibility the second time around. Sure. And on that second novel, I really didn't want to give up on it. And okay. I I had gone to the to the Austin Film Festival back in 2019 and listened to David Binioff and uh, Liz Hannah and D.B. Weiss and all these great screenwriters and television mm-hmm. writers uh-huh. talk. And, and I was so inspired there. And I'd always wanted to get into, you know, television and, and screenwriting. And I was like, I don't want to give up on that novel, that second one that didn't sell. I really think there's something there. So I turned it into a screenplay. Mm-hmm. It got some notice on the blacklist. I like one night I'm making burgers and a Producer emails me. He's like, "Hey, can you talk?" And I was like, "Sure." Do You want to talk next week? He was like, "How about in five minutes?" Ooh! And it was yeah. one of the producers of The Irishman and Lone Survivor huh. and all huh. these. And so, so now I feel like my career focus is on screenwriting. You know, I'm working on another novel. I'm like 100 pages in. Uh-huh. I would describe it as like uh, The Shape of Water meets Stranger Things. Okay. And but really, just screenwriting is kind of full steam ahead. And I have a screenwriting partner uh-huh. who we do all of that together. And so that's been really nice. So I feel like I'm very career focused, but in a less panicked way than I was in graduate school, because I came to this great understanding that no one's waiting for the next Blake Kimsey novel. <laughs> so I can take my time. I I can I can write something that's meaningful to, to me as the writer, it has to mean something to me first. So yeah. I really slowed down in my writing practice. And mm. that's allowed, you know, when I finish something, I let it sit for a while. You mm-hmm, know, mm-hmm. when I was taking that first, you know, community college class, it was like, write the next thing, write the next thing, send it yeah. out, sh- you know, short fiction publication. But you know, I love those stories. They're those early stories I wrote, they're layers of strata in my development. But Mm -hmm. if I could go back and rewrite all of those, I'm sure I would, but I'm not obviously going to do that. But I feel like I'm just taking my time a little bit more. And that's opened up so many more opportunities because I'm not so frazzled, you know? Yeah.
0: Yeah, for sure. Wow. What a journey. I mean, and, and those, the, I guess seesaw of emotions too, that, you know, oh, it's going to go. Oh, it didn't go. Oh, it's going to go. Like I just, and you're not alone in that. Like I've heard of so many writers who they land an agent, but maybe they don't sell the book or they can't get the agent, but then somebody discovers the book or I, you know, like there's just so many different ways and, and yet you're, you're persevering and you're still writing and, and, and then it just sort of turned into screenwriting, which is so cool. That's amazing.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I have a, I have a coffee mug, you know, for writingworkshops.com, I was like, let me try Let me try out some literary swag, which Uh I ordered like a couple sweatshirts for my kids and myself and a Uh mug that I had a Richard Bosch quote on it. Uh It said, you know, professional writers and amateur that uh, did not give up. Uh I'm drinking out of that cup this morning. I I took the swag off the site almost Uh after I ordered it because I was like, I don't (laughs) want to manage swag. But I have this one cup. There was one cup that was Uh ever ordered from writingworkshops.com swag link. And it's this. Uh-huh. And so I've, I love that it's a professional writer, you know, as an amateur who didn't give up. And, you know, after my first novel didn't sell, you know, I went and cried in my beer with a bunch of friends. Mm-hmm. And they are like, Oh, yeah, you know, it was like my second or third. And then, you know, I'm fortunate enough to sit on the uh, the board of the Elizabeth George Foundation. And uh-huh. I've come to know Elizabeth George very well. Mm-hmm. And over the eight years, I've been on the board. And, you know, she's like, Yeah, it wasn't my fourth novel. Oh, uh, wow. Huh. Until my fourth, you know, it was my fourth book that sold, you know, yeah. Yeah. And then you read Stephen King on writing, and you realize, oh wow, I think Carrie was the first book he wrote, but maybe the third one he published. So, yeah, there is this kind of celebratory thing we have in the literary community. Maybe it's you know online, Twitter. We celebrate the kind of debut or the young, mm-hmm. you know, the young artist who is at the height of their powers. But mm-hmm. and that can get us discouraged if we don't. I, yeah. I say us. That can get that got me discouraged. Yeah. And so I I feel like I've overcome that. I still want to be published. I still want to publish a novel. I still want to get a movie made. You know, I want to have a writing career. Yeah. But I think about my dad who plays basketball at 70 and he Uh just bats up and shoots threes from the corner. And I'm like, basketball is a game. I can, uh, God willing, I can play until I'm old. Yeah, And that's what I think about writing. I used to think it had to happen now, but God willing, I still have my faculties and stuff. I could write, you know, as a 70 year old, as an 80 year old. So it would be nice if it happened now, but I feel like I'm in it for the long haul.
0: Yeah, for sure. You know, I've been uh, coordinating the books track for the ASJA virtual conference in June. And one of the sessions that I pulled together is it's never too late to write a book. And I just, four women that I happen to know really well, who all had their first novel published after age 50. And actually, I think one or two is like after 60, and they're all speaking about it. And it's just, it's so important to keep going. Some had other careers and then turned to writing and some just plotted along until it happened, you know, and it's never too late. So I love that. well action.
1: that's why I love what you're doing with Scotia Road Books. I mean huh. it's women authors over 40. Yeah.
0: Um, yeah. And
1: kind of putting put giving them that platform and that expertise to get their work out into the world into the hands of of people who will who will love it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And so that's a great mission. Yeah,
0: thank you. And yeah, my dad always said that the 40s were like the best decade. I totally get that. I mean, I'm in my 50s now. And I still think that it just keeps getting better. And there's something about that you just sort of come into your own and you come into your voice. And not to say you can't write brilliantly when you're younger. But there is something about that about living a little before you really put your voice out there. So um, or maybe it's just time, you know, but thank you for your support. I appreciate oh, that. Yeah,
1: yeah. I'm excited about uh, you launching this new, uh, this new publishing house. And I think about that, too, though, in terms of I, I think that you know for me I certainly feel like I'm coming to my voice later uh-huh. because I'm a glacial reader and uh-huh. I'm a very slow writer. I feel like in books, when I'm reading a book, I mean, my wife is she's so brilliant and smart, and she reads, you know, probably seven books for every one book I read. Because yeah. I realize when I'm reading a book, even if it's a nonfiction book, I write, you know, fiction. Mm-hmm. But even if it's nonfiction, I'm like kind of looking for the seams in the work. You know, huh. like where's yeah. the sleight of hand? How has the author done this? This yeah. magic trick of sustaining yeah. a narrative. You know, making me care about the character, creating stakes and tension. And and you know, if it's a Great book, by the end, you get to the end and you really have have come to care about these characters that you've made real.
0: Yeah, yeah. That's so cool. That's really awesome. So I want to pivot and I want to talk to you about writingworkshops.com. So you know I'm a huge fan. I love teaching for you. I love working with you. I think you're an amazing entrepreneur and leader. And so take me back and tell me what inspired you to create it in the first place, which I think predated the whole agent time for you, right? Wasn't it like 2015 or something?
1: You know, so I bought the domain for some for writingworkshopsdallas.com back in, uh-huh. in 2016. Okay. You know, I, I had been sulking because I'd gone to graduate school out in Southern California and we had to move back to Texas. And I felt like there was this sense of possibility and energy as you feel when you go to Los Angeles. Everyone yeah. there is trying to make it. They're trying to do something. They're going to make it happen. They don't sleep, you know, whatever. It's yeah. like you, you kind of talk yourself into kind of the lore of the place and that you might also kind of, Follow in footsteps of some of your heroes. And yeah. so we moved back to Dallas, which, you know, in 2014, and like I said, I was sulking. I was back at the engineering firm working full-time. I was teaching at University of Texas at Dallas at night, mm-hmm. and I just had no time. And I was also trying to finish this novel. And I had a long commute to work, about an hour. And so I was mm-hmm. listening to a podcast one day, and this woman, I wish I could remember her name, and I wish I could remember the book that she was talking about. But one thing she said stood out to me, and it's like, You have to love where you live. And if there's something missing where you are, you need to create it. Hmm. And that's kind of been like my mission statement is like, you love where you live. I mean, my wife and I kind of joke, you know, we're 42 now, so we're in the live, laugh, love period of our life you know, in <laughs> yeah. terms of like not getting too wrapped around the axle about things. Uh-huh. But when you're in your 20s and maybe sometimes in your 30s, at least for me, I couldn't see the forest for the trees. You know, sure. was, so so now it's kind of luxuriating in that. Oh, we you know we've got time or or whatever. But yeah, uh, but at the time, you know, I was like, well, okay, let me think about this. You know, i, I thought about starting a, a writing workshop. You know, I'd gone to AWP and I'd listened to uh, Eden Lepucky, who started writing workshops Los Angeles, and uh-huh. Julie Fiero who started SAC. Street And they, there was a panel and they were just like, Hey, you know, if you were going to start a workshop, here's, here's how you do it. You know, start one in your own backyard. Okay. So I thought about that for two years. I just kind of stewed on it. I was trying to, you know, had everything else going on. We had a second kid born. But while I was teaching at UTD, somebody reached out to me on Twitter and asked if they could audit my class, my fiction mm-hmm. workshop. Mm-hmm. And uh, I asked the administration and they said, no. And so well, there might be something in here. So I was like, let me start. That was kind of the push I needed. I was like, well, Mm -hmm. there's one person who's expressed interest. Mm -hmm. And so I knew, so it was going to be an in-person workshop in Dallas. And so I knew Uh it could not just be me. So I reached out to a, someone who wrote a personal, who, who, who wrote nonfiction, someone who wrote poetry, somebody who wrote screenplays. Mm -hmm. And we had our first four classes and I, Created the website. We met in the basement of a Methodist church. Okay. Um, that was just kind of monetizing their space after hours because there were yeah. no potlucks going on, you know, <laughs> yeah. on a weeknight. Uh-huh. Uh, although I would have loved to have walked into a potluck. I'll, I'll uh, yeah, do that 10 sure. out of 10 times. But uh <laughs> yeah, so it was great. So, you know, what's wild about I think I'm an accidental entrepreneur because I uh-huh. did not realize I was starting a business. Uh-huh. The first time so, you know, we we launched in March of 2017. And so okay. I literally switched the lights on on the website, on the uh-huh. Twitter, all that stuff and we got an enrollment that very first day. Oh um, my god. Somebody here in Dallas and I sent I sent her her enrollment confirmation and she said, "Oh my god, I'm so excited about this and I can't believe I did not know this existed." Oh. And I was sitting there thinking, oh my gosh, you are the first person to ever enroll. You know, she's there saying, I can't think I didn't know this was like like turned on the lights like three hours beforehand. So, you know, it was, it was a total, it was not, you know, I, I, I took three months of enrollments and that money went into my personal checking account before I realized I needed a business account before I have an LLC, uh, before I needed to do all those. So I got an accountant. He was like, oh my gosh, we're gonna have to untangle all these transactions. Oh no. And you know, running a business, which I've, I've come to realize that's what I'm doing. It took me yeah. a long time to identify as a business yeah, yeah. owner or entrepreneur, mm-hmm. but it satisfies a lot of the same creative problem solving and urges that being a creative writer does. Sure. You know, as a writer, you have to create the problem and solve it on the page. Mm-hmm. And, you know, being an entrepreneur, it has that other quality too, where with writing a book, if you knew how much effort, blood, sweat, and tears it would take before you set out to write that book, you might not do it. Right, right. Um, yep. Yep. And that's the way starting and running a business, as you know, Lynn, Yes. Is if you knew how much effort and time, I mean, cause when you start a business, I mean, you, you know, I was still working at the engineering firm. I was yeah, still teaching yeah. at UTD. I was still yeah. trying to write a novel, yeah. but I was staying up and I had two young kids. I was staying up till two or three in the morning,
0: Yeah. Just, yeah.
1: you know, and, and it was just kind of a wild ride. I was like delirious with some sort of joy yeah. that I was doing something outside of this lane I found myself in, which was working at an engineering firm because <laughs> I went to Texas A&M. It's an yeah. agricultural mechanical university. So yeah, it was just this wild time of no sleep. But we had k- young kids, so you weren't sleeping anyway. So you right. might as well... Use the time. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. make some copywriting errors. Yeah, (laughs) yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. yeah. So so you started in 2017, and then I know you expanded to Detroit, and I taught a class for you in person downtown, and then you went virtual because of the pandemic. Is that right?
1: Yeah, you know, we we had in-person classes here in Dallas for about a year and a half, Uh and then we've always gone up to Michigan for, Uh well, since I married my wife, up to Uh Port Lake. Her aunt has a place right there. It's a little cabin, a little lean-to that her uh, her dad built after uh-huh. World War II. Oh, wow. So it's a little tiny cabin on, on the shores of Torch Lake. And I just loved Michigan and, uh-huh. and I knew some friends from Twitter. And uh-huh. so I was like, let me just go to Detroit, talk to the local bookstore owners, see who the writers are, uh-huh. get some co-working spaces. Because my initial idea was like, let's just go to mid-major, mid-market cities in the United uh-huh. States. Uh-huh. And started an in-person workshop and so that yeah. was going to be the model i was like mm-hmm. there's a need for writers like me who live in dallas which is mm-hmm. not known as a literary city mm-hmm. but there's tons of writers who who mm-hmm. need instruction and so it was kind of awesome to get to meet you and i know you taught at yeah. bamboo detroit which yeah. Uh, yeah. i know i know since, since then they've, they've got a location in royal oak now as well yeah yeah in addition to downtown so yeah and then we'd 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 have online classes going in 2018 okay. But that was probably about 10% of of our students. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, the pandemic happens and Mm -hmm. we went 100% online.
0: Yeah. And it's been such a delight. I mean, because, you know, it was really fortuitous timing because I, you know, I've had a marketing company for the past 17 years and I wanted to pivot to get back to writing full time. And I've taught writing since I did my MFA in the 90s. And so it was such, it was like kismet because, you know, you were ramping up your online and I wanted to shift from marketing to teaching more. And I mean, it's so cool how you pull in people from all over the world Now for these classes, it's like, I've had people in my classes that I teach for you from Germany, from, you know, France, from all over Canada, US, wherever Philippines, somebody was in the Philippines, like, just really, really cool that we're getting that kind of read. And it's really fun. I mean, I like I appreciate as an instructor, the freedom and creativity that you want. And then I can bring, you know, classes I'm passionate about and that are unique. And I think it pays off for the students too. I think people really resonate with, with the model you've created.
1: That is one of the kind of things, as I always say, you know, there it's like there's no writing workshop without you, right? Yeah, yeah. No writing workshop without you. You're teaching finding your voice. You're, mm. you're teaching line breaks in poetry. You're mm. teaching a book accountability workshop, which all these things kind of braid together with the uh, individual workshops you teach on your own and then your mm-hmm. individual retreats you might take to St. Nova Scotia or the <laughs> one you do with us to uh yeah. to Mackinac uh, Island uh, Yep. And I honestly can't believe that something that started in the basement of a Methodist church in East Dallas gets mm-hmm. people to enroll from all over the world. And that really is. And I'm not shining anyone on, but that's just a testament to the quality of the teaching artists that we have, the passion. Because there's no class on the website that I have assigned a teacher to teach. I didn't mm-hmm. say, hey, Lynn Galadner, will you teach a Finding Your Voice class? Right. You just brought your energy, your enthusiasm, and your passion for that and for the 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 way you see yourself and your students as emerging yeah. writers, let's tap into that. Let's find that voice. Or
0: yeah,
1: yeah. let's demystify the poem and look at line breaks. Or right, right. and so every class that's on there is is honestly a miracle to me that there's instructors who who want to teach, that there are students who want to be connected to the time, talent, and attention that they're going to get from yeah. the teaching artist. And so for me, it's really interesting. I mean, now I'm I'm writing a ton. Mm-hmm. Up at night still. My dad used to say, if you're going to hoot with the owls, you got to soar with the eagles. So I, <laughs> that's kind of been, you know, you have kids, you got to do that. But I think if you, if you have a, a if you're running a business and you're also have a, d- a dream to write, you're just going to be burning the candle a little bit. Yeah. But it, my passion, actually, I never knew I would say this and, you know, MFA years, me would be like, what? But I love administration. <laughs> do <laughs> that's you? So that's so cool. I, I like connecting people to the people who might change their life. Yeah. I, when I took that workshop with Chris Carpenter three semesters in a row, yeah. I was connected to somebody who for the first time changed my life in a way that was surprising to me. Yeah. yeah. You know, And mm-hmm. that's the impact teachers have. Yeah. And if you're out there practicing as an artist and then you're bringing kind of the inspiration and the struggle and the success of your own writing practice into your classroom. Yeah. That's going to impact your students. And, you know, I always say I see myself and every person who enrolls because Mm -hmm. I do. I mean, Mm -hmm. most of our students are working professionals, they're work at home moms. They might be people who are, you know, post undergrad who might go to an MFA or somebody Mm -hmm. like me who went to their MFA in their thirties. And, you know, I love the hero's journey. And what we are at writingworkshops.com is we are the guide, and everybody comes to take a class as the hero of their own story. And so, I feel like the kind of Honestly, without sounding cheesy, the honor of my life is just assembling world-class guides.
0: Yeah, you know? yeah, for sure. So, so this is awesome, and you're obviously great at being an entrepreneur as well as juggling multiple projects. So, I wonder what's next for you. Are you looking at evolving writing workshops, expanding, starting something new, or just you like the flow of how things are going now?
1: You know, I like the flow of how things are going now. You know, it. it I think about what is enough. I feel like, gosh, I mean, for eight years. We lived in an 800 square foot house with three uh-huh. kids. So all three uh-huh. of our kids, my our daughter and my two boys, they slept in the same room. They had two bunk beds, and so, uh-huh. you know, we kind of got we we couldn't afford to stay in our neighborhood because we lived mm-hmm. in an 800 square foot house, and so mm-hmm. we finally moved, you know, outside of town into a you know a three two, so just a mm-hmm. little bit bigger of a house. Mm-hmm. But I kind of, I kind of have this thing about, you know, my, my wife and I, we both lost our mothers when we were younger. Mm -hmm. And so there's this idea about time, about Mm -hmm. um, tomorrow's never promised and kind of, being present and all that stuff. So I think about what's enough and, and, and right sizing your life so that Mm -hmm. you can be present. Cause it's like when you're, I, you know, when you come to terms with the fact that you might want to do something that's out of the norm, whether or not that's write a book or start Mm -hmm. a business or whatever, that's going to demand a lot of your time. So what is the right size of your, of all your endeavors? Yeah. Uh, Because time is so fleeting. And so I feel like it's right sized now. I feel like we're lucky to keep adding really wonderful classes to the site. And, you know, we do these destination trips Mm -hmm. that we take, you know, with you to Mackinac Island for a Finding Your Voice retreat, Mm generative retreat. And then we go to Paris and Hawaii, Hawaii and Vermont and Uh uh, Iceland and Dublin. And so those Mm -hmm. are fun. And, you know, we're just going to keep doing that. And Mm -hmm. I was a bicycle tour guide in Paris. So I love it. You know, for a year and a half of my 20s. So, I love people. I've always loved people. I've always loved hearing other people's stories. And so I feel like I'm kind of living my dream right now, which is in a weird way, administering or facilitating the connection for people to... To mm-hmm. practice their craft and then also to get to to be a tour guide again. Yeah. When I yeah. go on these trips. I'm not I'm not a teacher. I'm yeah. I'm a bag handler, a van driver, <laughs> a direction yeah. giver, and all that other good stuff. So that that seems to be where I, I need to be, you know. I love it. There are there are so many other things I would love to do. Mm -hmm. But right now, I just don't have the time to do those things. And so I'm just trying to focus on being the best I can as an administrator Mm -hmm. for writingworkshops.com and then also working on these um, really amazing opportunities that are kind of opening up as as a writer for me again.
0: I love it. I love it. Well, I can't wait to hear all the great news that's to come from you and to read or watch your work and be your biggest cheerleader. I, I'm really so grateful that I know you, Blake Kimsey, and I that I get to work with you. And I learn a lot from you. I just think the way you run writing workshops is beautiful and generous. And it's just such a joy. And I'm, I'm grateful for the opportunity. And I, I can't wait to read your words. So
1: you know, I came up to Detroit and started an in-person workshop and you took a chance on me. <laughs> I didn't take a chance on you, Lynn Golodner. Well, and it worked. we are, maybe, what is it, five years later, so yeah. I feel like, I feel like people are taking a chance on me. And so thank you for that. And just also thanks for the conversation today. I'm happy to know you and and to get to work with you and be inspired also by all the things you're doing, such as launching Scotia Road
0: books. (laughs) Kindred spirits. I love it. We're each other's cheerleaders. And for everybody listening, this was Blake Kimsey. And you should definitely go take classes at writing workshops and wait to read his books and watch his movies. So thank you, Blake. I appreciate you being on the podcast. Thanks for listening to the Make Meaning Podcast with Lynn Galodner. You can find us wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. If you like what you've heard, subscribe and share this episode with the meaningful people in your world. And please leave us a five-star review on your favorite podcast platform. You can learn more at makemeaning.org or lynngaladner.com.